Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. We are on the second to last sermon for our discipleship series. And today we are going to follow um, a series of stories in the Gospel of John, all about our main man, Peter. So there's four different stories I'm going to read, and it's John 13, 36 through 38, 18, 15 through 17, 25 through 27, and then we're going to bring it home with chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So listen now for a word from God. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, Are you not also one of this man's disciples? Are you? He said, I am not. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. When the disciples had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now there is a dirty little word or idea, if you will, that has wiggled its way into our collective psyche. It destroys relationships, it stifles creativity, crumbles mental health, and builds a wall between us and God's transforming work. It makes us hard to be around and entirely uncomfortable to live within. It creates obsessions, distracts from goodness, and exhausts. This dirty little word is perfectionism. Now, perfectionism is a human problem. No one is really free from it. Some suffer from self-perfectionism when someone thinks they themselves must be perfect. Some suffer from the idea that 
others need to be perfect. And let me tell you, that never goes well. And still others struggle with the assumption that everyone else expects them to be perfect. It's a lot. And in some ways, it is uniquely human because we have amazing imaginations where we can drop a picture in our head of how a thing could be or how it should be or how we'd like it to be. But those pictures often vastly underestimate the work and the resources and the amount of time it would take to build the perfect thing in our mind or to be the perfect person. Usually the cost or the labor is so high or it would take so long that what we build in our heads is not actually even possible in real life. And we do ourselves a big disservice when we refuse to believe that disappointing news. So we live in a tortured state of melancholy or dissatisfaction or anxiety, all because we're chasing after something that was never possible to begin with. Perfection. Some of us are so terrified to make a mistake or we're so haunted by past mistakes that we don't start a project or say yes to a relationship or we stay in a job or environment that is not meant for us or perhaps even harms us or people we love all because we're trying to be perfect or avoid any slip ups or mistakes or failures. Perfectionism, or we could also call it simply making mistakes because it is inevitable, right? Making mistakes. Perfect is impossible. I feel like we've actually talked a lot about impossible things in this worship series on discipleship. We have talked about the impossibility of going it alone and pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Um, We've talked about the impossibility of endlessly producing without any rest, of always exhaling and never inhaling. And now we're talking about the impossibility of being perfect or said another way, the inevitability of making mistakes and how our lack of perfection fits into our identity as disciples of Jesus, as being ourselves. However, after we've read these stories of Peter, we know we're in good company today. This morning when worship, we tracked the story of Peter's big blunder at the end of the gospel stories. The rock on which Jesus built his church was not a flawless rock. And his friends most certainly did not go around calling him Perfect Peter. At the beginning of our collection of stories today, we find ourselves in the eve of Jesus's arrest. Peter, ever the fearless leader, declares that he will never abandon Jesus, even if it costs him his life. But Jesus knows otherwise. Jesus tells Peter, when you hear the cock crow, three, when you, hear the cock crow you will then have denied me already three times. And sure enough, after Jesus' arrest, Peter is caught up in the crowds outside the court, and he denies not once, but three times that he is a follower of Jesus. Under intense pressure and fear, Peter makes a mistake. Not just once, but the same mistake three different times. And while Jesus is undergoing his trial in Jerusalem three times, Peter denies knowing or being associated with him. Mistake, Peter, mistake! He's hardly the first, and nor is he the last, people in the life of faith to get it wrong. I mean, I can think of other mistakes by religious leaders throughout history. Some of them are obvious to us, like the Crusades or placing Galileo under lifelong house arrest or condoning slavery. Other failures are less known, like the fact that Mother Teresa had such a fear of physical touch 
that she had strict rules on how little the nuns were allowed to handle the babies in their care. Life, even a life of faith, if not especially a life of faith because it demands so much of us, is territory that is marked not just by transformations, but by the mistakes and missteps that often lead to them. So what do we do with these failures? How do we dig out of the trappings and suffocation of perfectionism? How do we integrate not being perfect into our own identities? A producer for the School of Life, which is an online platform that has oh, just an amazing wealth of short videos about life, um, one of their producers, Avi Ofer, says this regarding our struggles with perfectionism. We read our struggles as marks of our own ineptitude rather than an inevitable part of a legitimately lengthy journey. I'm going to read that again. We read our struggles as marks of our own ineptitude rather than an inevitable part of a legitimately lengthy journey. The journey of being human, and I would say the journey of being a disciple of Christ. It's hard. And these mistakes are not a reflection of some fatal flaw but of the difficulty of living a good life. So what does God make of all of this? God is not unaware of our experiences or our struggles or the trappings of being a human among other humans, which is hard, and the inevitability then of making mistakes. And this is where we come to that final story in the gospel according to John. At this point in the narrative, Peter has three times denied being a follower of Jesus. Jesus has been crucified, he has died, he has been resurrected, and has had a grand reunion with his disciples on the shore of the sea, making fish and eating together. Jesus takes Peter aside to have a heart-to-heart with with him, one of his key disciples, one of his most important leaders, but one who has made some mistakes. And their conversation is threefold, not ironically. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, of course. Then tend my lambs. And finally, a third time, Peter, do you love me? And at this point, Peter's feelings are hurt, although some of us might think they shouldn't be. Three expressions of love for his three expressions of denial seems about right. But Peter responds, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. What's Jesus's final response? Feed my sheep get back to work. Peter is not asked to walk on his knees in repentance, as one of my favorite Mary Oliver poems talks about. He's not asked to be perfect. Jesus knows everything, including Peter's intentions, his real love, and so he asks simply this of him. Keep doing the work. Keep feeding my sheep. Keep being a disciple. Keep sharing the love and the way of Christ. That's what God expects of our mistakes that we keep loving and we keep serving. Because the life of faith is not a life of perfection. Jesus doesn't expect that of Peter. And if Jesus knows everything, then Jesus knows very well that quotation that I read earlier, that we might read our struggles as marks of our own ineptitude and deep failure. But I think God sees them as an inevitable part of a legitimately lengthy journey of faith. The focus in our passage is not on the mistakes. The focus in this final passage for Jesus is on the love that is pulsing between God and Peter, between God and us, 
And then on the repercussions of that love and care that come out of it. Do we love God? Yes. Great. Feed God's sheep. Do we love God? Yes. Good. Get back to work. It is so easy to freeze up under the influence of perfectionism. But like I've said in the past here at Ormwood Church, echoing Nadia Bowles Weber's wisdom, we are not after perfection. We're after participation in the life of God. And that, my friends, is the life of a disciple of Jesus.